And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fair Service. We're here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, as we always do. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get them. You get me twice a week, one episode a week. I talked to Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays All-Star. Another episode of the week, I talked to Caitlin McGrath. She covers the Blue Jays for the Athletic. She joins me here, as always, on Monday. Caitlin, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. I'm fine. I'm good. Got baseball. I got three baseball games this week. I don't know if I can make it to all of them, but... Wow, that's That's good. That's good. I'm hoping I can get in. It was a DNP in the last game. Caitlin, of course, covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed yet to The Athletic, you should. Not only will you get an ad-free version of this show, you can also read everything that she writes about the Blue Jays. So go over to theathletic.com slash spinrate, sign up. Let's go. The Blue Jays are coming off a very successful road trip, a very successful four-game sweep of the California Angels, how I have chosen to identify them at this time, Uh, beating Shohei Otani, holding Mike Trout to a dull roar, um, but you know, it wasn't a perfect weekend. It wasn't a perfect series, but they won. They won all the games. You cannot complain any more than that. But let's so let's let's look for positives. Mm-hmm. What are the positives uh, that came out of this weekend? I think Caitlin, we could say number one, the positives are the Blue Jays scored more than three runs in a game multiple times. Yeah, they did, and they started to remind me of last year's team, which is I think what we were trying to see, especially that last game, even though it was pretty wild. And of course you don't really want to allow 10 runs in a game. Um, Mm -hmm. and we can kind of go over Brios to start and maybe those issues a little bit later on, but, uh, but it did the way that they kept coming back and sort of staying in it. That was very reminiscent of the, um, 2021 team. And, and they've done a good job staying in games this year. Don't get me wrong. Like they, um, have basically been in almost all the games this year. They're, they've hardly been blown out or anything. So they've been good at, uh, you know, all around winning, but just the, the way they kept coming up and putting up runs and never going away, it just kind of reminded me how they were last year, especially later in the year, um, down the stretch run and definitely in the second half. They were that sort of like pesky offensive team where if you didn't get one guy, if you got one guy out, the next guy was going to come up and put up a good at bat. And, you know, make contact with the ball. And the, and it, it also was like the Blue Jays are obviously in um, the type of team that makes a lot of contact. And they did that a lot, especially against the Angels. They didn't strike out much. They took their walks, which was another really good sign. Uh, but also be, they always make a lot of contact and you're seeing some of the balls drop now. And I think we said that all along is like um, not only were the, the bats just going to get better because they're all talented and they all have a track record of success and of um, you know, getting hits and, and scoring runs and being good offensively, but also like there was a lot of bad luck at play um, earlier this season. Uh, they were hitting the ball really hard and they weren't getting the results uh, or they were hitting the ball right at guys, all these kinds of things. And, you know, part of it was the ball is just falling. Part of it was also the angels not playing great defense or the angels not being a great defensive team. Um <laughs> Especially, especially, um, well, actually all over, all over. I'm, but, um, yeah. yeah, so, but that, but there was still an element of some good luck. Like, I'm remembering a ball that, like, hit the bag, the second base bag and, like, jumped over, which probably, it was going to be a hit anyway, but I think it allowed another run to score. Um, you saw, like, Matt Chapman get a few timely hits. He's still hitting the ball really hard. It's the, the home runs are going to come at some point. Um, 
And to the, I guess it was out to left field, right? Where like, it, there was a few balls, not just Chapman. Danny Jansen had a ball that died in the mm-hmm. left field. Um, Santiago Espinal in his last at bat hit a ball really hard that looked like it was going out. And it all similarly died right on the track in left field. Um, and it was funny because it's like, yeah, the balls are obviously an issue, but the ball was flying on that Sunday game, I think there was something in left field, maybe the way the wind blows or something like that, where balls died there a little bit more. That ballpark, the big A, is yeah. very, very, very long, big, deep to left center field in particular. I think it's like 390 to the to the alley Yeah, in, in left field. And then, you know, those games in particular, uh, which I liked, all, all the night games, the, the late games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not a place where you score a lot of runs at night when the air comes in and it's a little bit more heavy and 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 it's just a bigger ballpark so it's harder to score runs you you, you heard uh, i guess it probably was pat uh Tadler on the broadcast on saturday in particular saying tomorrow the sunday game when it's when it's hot and the sun is out those are probably gone the chapman and the and the Dan, danny jansen balls in particular mm-hmm. but you know I, I think i really agree with what you said in terms of getting a little bit of that good you know kind of good bounces the good puck luck the good balls in play sort of good fortune where you know the the, the double that chapman hit that juan lagares kind of kicked around a little bit i can't remember was that thursday night friday night it was a, one of the nights and uh, where it was like not the hardest hit ball, but it was hit in a, in a spot where it made a making the a play difficult, and then Lagares, of course, compounded all of his mistakes by kind of rolling around in the grass while Mike Trout looked on with utter disdain for his own life choices that allowed him to land there and be the, be a member of the Angels for like thirteen years. But uh, you know, I, I think even back to Thursday's game, which again was a, feels like a lifetime ago, um, where the Blue Jays scored six runs against Shohei Otani. Um, and, uh, and, and a, a reliever. Um, but Otani actually pitched really, really well. Uh, and Hyunjin Ryu pitched well enough, but also, you know, got hit hard often, like gave up quite a few hard hit balls that didn't go for outs. Only ended up allowing, uh, the two runs, one walk, one strikeout in five innings, which is not what you want. But, uh, but just pitched, you know, got it done. And, and Otani had a bit of bad luck. You know, he ended up striking out 10, but gave up two home runs. You know, yeah. he made that, he made that, you know, if you remember back, um, when we were talking, Ricky Romero and I were talking about, about it, about when Otani was going to face Vlad. And I'm like, you watch, he's going to flip that big slow curveball in there, try to get a strike. And he did. And then he tried to do it again. And then Vlad <laughs> hit it off the foul pole. So, um, again, that, that's the sort of thing that maybe ha- that hasn't felt like it's happening as much for the Blue Jays, um, of late in particular, where they win a game that they quote unquote didn't deserve to win. But, you know, you keep, uh, as you said, you keep putting the ball in play, you keep hitting it hard, you keep, Get it, guys on base. The runs in batters, the the average with runners in scoring position is only going to you know kind of normalize. That's going to be reflective of the talent, the actual talent of the team in time. So, I think that yeah, lots of positives to draw, lots of lots of uh, of, of things that you can be uh, appreciative of, lots of things that you can say again. It doesn't matter how they don't ask how they ask how many, and now the Blue Jays have they they won four games over the weekend. So. Yeah, and what, they're what, one. They've won five in a row too. So they've this won is five the longest, in a row. Longest um, streak of the year. Which I was thinking, like that. There's like certain like levels of like a winning streak. Like I think five is like okay, five is good. But like to me, it's like once you hit like seven or eight in mm. a row, that's when you're like okay, like this is a real streak we got to pay attention to. This is like the runs you really want to go on. Five is good and like they obviously have a chance to win six. The Chicago is coming uh, to Toronto. But like I was just kind of thinking in my head like because there's uh, you know other teams that have gone on runs this year like the Yankees I think won 11 in a row at one point. Houston was up to like eight, eight or so wins in a row. Um, I'm surely forgetting some in the NL. But yeah, like you see these good teams and they go on these long runs and I'm thinking like maybe this is the Blue Jays first one they're really going to go on they won four in a row earlier this year now they're at five five is good but if they can go six seven eight that's when you're really like you're banking those wins you're really getting it going and that's when you gain a lot of ground and you make up for those stretches where you do go like two and five or whatever they did the other thing and something that we used to talk about a, a lot about um, back in the 2015 in particular was, was one of the, and I think one of the reasons that, that, you know, GM at the time, Alex Anthopoulos made some of the, the trades that he made was good, like good teams go on long winning streaks like that. Like a bad mm-hmm. team 
can't, won't do that. They just almost for sure they don't and they can't because of a, you know, you can only stretch your luck for so long. But when you are a talented team, when you do have a deep lineup and a, and a, and, and, and talent across your pitching staff, top to bottom, that's what it takes to go through. Cause if you think about going through your, your rotation twice in a row and, and winning every one of those games, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. That mm-hmm. means no blow up starts, no, you know, no, no, Terrible uh, performances that, that that doom the team for the, for the for the days that come. And you know, Sunday, of course, the Blue Jays sort of did overcome uh, a, a rough start to to pick up a win against a team that's a you know a the Angels are pretty good. They have a, a record that's comparable to the Blue Jays, but also um, they have so they have their flaws. And so now now we're sitting here at the beginning, just before the beginning of June. The Blue Jays are comfortably in a playoff spot. They're only a game behind uh, the Rays. In their own division, they have the best record of any of the non. You know, they're 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 right there in terms of whatever the playoff is going to look like. You know, what what are the the Blue Jays are are more than comfortable, more than in the middle of that race. They could have won more, you know. And I think we could even kind of question some of the decisions that were made. And I think that that's something I saw a lot of people come talking about was some of the choices, especially as it relates back to um um. Uh, the cho- the off the option to go to uh, Julia Merriweather in a late and close game situation was that Friday night um, when 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 the Merriweather needed to get one, one guy out and then he didn't and then the next thing you know is now Julia Merriweather has to get Shohei Otani out and then <laughs> Julia Merriweather has to get Mike Trout out and one of those things actually neither of those things happened and Mike Trout hit a home run that uh, that was Saturday night. Where again, some odd choices, and and I don't know. Again, it's easy it's easy to kind of smooth it over after the fact, but but some some puzzling choices that came out. But here here we are. Here the Blue Jays are. Many many games. How many games over five hundred? Seven games over five hundred. Yeah, I mean they could have lost more too. There was a lot of those games early on. Those like Houston games in particular because they just played Houston for like two weeks straight. It felt like, and all those games were like two one three two one two mm-hmm. two one. So some of those Houston ones could have gone either way. Um, and I think the Blue Jays are still because of their run differential, which I think is like negative one. So they're almost in the positives. They're almost um, a five hundred team. <laughs> they're, um, yeah. So like the that sort of suggests that they are uh, a five hundred team, or maybe even slightly below. Um, but I think that that's going to normalize as they obviously get their offense going um, and start to score more runs. Um, but and actually, like to your point, I remember you said this earlier, maybe like the last time we recorded. Um, but like uh, the Blue Jays made up a lot of ground just playing the Angels because when they started this series, the Angels were ahead of them in that wild card race. Obviously, they're ahead of them now. And when I saw this point made on Twitter, which is actually a good one, is that because the Blue Jays won these four, they've like secured the tie break against the Angels in mm. case they. Um, were to have the same record as them at the end of the season and they were in those wild cards, that could be um, that could be important because um, it could determine would it determine? Maybe not. Well, I guess yeah, if they were like one and two, it could determine of the wild cards, it could determine um, who would host, I think. So um, I mean, that's like thinking down the road and I don't know if the Angels are going to stay in a playoff spot. Who knows if the Blue Jays are going to stay in a playoff spot, but still like thinking ahead, it is kind of good to have those tiebreakers because I remember in 2016 that came in handy when the Blue Jays um, had the same record, I believe, as Baltimore, but they had the the tiebreaker, so they got to host the wild card game. So that's what you want in those wild card series, especially this year because they're three game series and the home team hosts all three. So mm-hmm. home field advantage is going to be quite important this year for those series, especially. Massive. the The unbalanced schedule thing is so strange when you look at it. Just the way I mean, you know, every team can only play; they have to have another team to play against. So the Yankees have played three games against the AL West, and the Blue Jays have played nineteen. And they, the Blue Jays <laughs> are doing really well against the AL West. They beat um, the AL West four; they're fourteen and five against the AL West. Yeah, and the AL East, they're not. I don't think they're. There might be a slightly below five hundred with against their own division, um, but mm-hmm. but again, nine, they nine haven't played ten, the yeah. but they haven't played the Orioles at all. Um, whereas the Yankees have played the Orioles thirteen times already. Something obnoxious like that. They're like nine and four against the Orioles so far. The Yankees, and this was like pointed out a lot. I think even on the broadcast, and people have commented on stories that I've written, and I'm well aware, like the fact that the Yankees really have not played that many above five hundred above 500 teams, um, whereas the Blue Jays have played 
mostly above 500 teams, I think, to get the record. So um, I don't know that you can like necessarily like bank on um, the Yankees completely like falling apart, but certainly their schedule is going to get tougher. Although this week they're actually playing the Angels. So, um, you know, I don't know how that will match up because that's two good offensive teams. They're playing in New York. I believe the Angels are going to New York. Um, And so, but they're both teams that are probably like due for a win. The Yankees just lost two against the Rays. Obviously the Angels have lost five in a row. So that could be an important series for both those teams. We'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Last time Shohei Otani pitched at Yankee Stadium, it was not pleasant. Um, <laughs> he did not get out of the first inning. It was a really, Ooh. really rough outing. Uh, you know, he he is he's been so good against uh, against righties this year in particular. I don't know. Did you did you watch the game on Thursday night? What did you think? I know you because you because of your job, you probably don't get to watch Shohei Otani too often. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about about the Otani start against the Blue Jays? Um, yeah, it was a, like a mixed bag, I think, for him. Like, obviously, the strikeouts were good, um, but it also didn't look like he was at his sharpest. Like, the Vlad in particular, like, leaving that pitch up. Obviously, George Springer put up a really, really good at-bat. That first at-bat, he saw a lot of pitches. He was fouling off a lot of pitches, then he finally got one. Um, so that was a good start for the Blue Jays, obviously. I don't know. Like, I think you saw, like, the best of Shohei in some of those strikeouts and, like, the slider and getting guys to chase. But then you kind of saw where he can be a bit weak. And I also thought, I think the broadcast said, and maybe this had an impact, it was like, maybe he didn't play the next day or he had some sort of back issue or he did something and he was feeling it. And so he, I think maybe like even the Vlad home run, mm. throwing those curves, like maybe that's something to do with the back, you know, maybe throwing the slider over and over again is hard on you. So he came, he, he came, he is because of the Shohei Otani rule. He's in the lineup as a pitcher and as the DH so that they're not treating him as one person. So he came out of the game, but stayed in as the DH, but then they have, he, they actually took him out. They pinch hit for him in his last at bat of the night, talking about his the, the back, and then I don't think he played. Was it Friday? He, yeah, I don't, I don't, he didn't. He didn't. He pinch play. hit late in the game, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. Against yeah, the, he did pinch hit late in the game. Um, I, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I was kind of like trying to live, kind of tweeting quite a bit during the game. Um, his slider was not good in particular on on Thursday night. He missed um, a lot with it. He just wasn't able to to command it. He he he. Um, you know, he threw a couple good ones. He threw one to strike up Bob Shatt in the first inning. He mm-hmm. threw like a filthy one to Danny Jansen. Um, you know, you could see, you can see what, 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 you know, just what he's so much of what he's capable of. Um, just in, in glimpses and, 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 and snippets, right? Again, he gave up what five or six runs. He didn't, he didn't pitch well. He gave up two home runs. Um, the one against Vlad, I can't, I can't believe he tried to double up on that curveball because, you know, as I was, as I said on Twitter that night, his slider is bad and I think they're going to have to go away from it because he just had no idea where it was going. And then they kind of did, right? They, they stopped throwing it. He's throwing a lot of fastballs. He tried to throw more splitters and then he just, Every a couple of times he tried to go back to the slider to get a strikeout. It just wasn't he didn't have the feel for it and and he kind of got hit. But you know, God, poor Kevin Biggio. <laughs> Kevin Biggio comes back to the big leagues and yeah. he's in there against against uh Otani, which is like he threw him a first pitch splitter because he's figuring that he's gonna be all geared up for the fastball. Then he did it again, and then he just oh he like the the first at bat between Otani and Biggio was just cruel, cruel. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so mean. Like, why are you doing this to this poor guy? But uh, I don't know. It, it was always fun to watch him. It was really, you know, uh, as I said, Hyunjin Ryu didn't, didn't 
he didn't pitch badly. He got hit pretty hard, but yeah. it was fun to watch Ryu against Mike Trout because Mike Trout, who famously, I think Mike Petrillo was talking about it on the broadcast and he mentioned on Twitter that Ryu is the only pitcher, only pitcher to face Mike Trout at least 10 times and get him out every single time. Yeah. He's, Mike Trout's never reached base. And you could see that at bat for Trout was so, those two at bats, I think, were so uncomfortable. He had no idea what was coming. He just did not know what to do. He looked so out of sorts. His swings were like weirdly defensive. And again, this is Mike Trout who just, you know, he had a, he had a quietly amazing series as, you know, as, as he tends to do. Uh, the thing I've said about Mike Trout for years is like, it's, it's not, you know, He's not Shohei Otani, right? He's not like larger than life, other than the fact that he is enormous. But <laughs> he's not like, you know, it, he doesn't, I don't know if, if even presence is the right way to describe it, but like you just kind of look up at the end of the day and it's like, oh, he had two hits and, and a walk. Like, and that sort of, I mean, that did, he, he was 0 for 4 uh, in the Thursday game uh, against Rio, but then he got, he picked up, um, uh, one hit Friday, then three hits on Saturday, and then he actually went over five yesterday. So you know, again, a pr- relatively quiet weekend. Although the one ho- the home run that he did hit was uh, was of significant uh, of significance and uh, at, at a big moment. But I don't know. It, it was fun. The Blue Jays. I I don't think it's unfair to say the Blue Jays are a better team than the Angels. Uh, so well, that, sure looks that, like it. That, yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure looks like it. Yeah, you but won it, four games against them at home, which is hard to do. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to sweep at home. Like. Um, to get swept at home in a four game series. Yeah. And it's like, funny because I remember last, like, the Blue Jays have done it twice now in recent memory because last year in September they swept the Yankees over four games uh, mm-hmm. on the road at Yankee Stadium. Um, and then they've done it here this time. Four game sweeps are hard to win when you're the home team. Um, they're very hard to win when you're on the road team. Um, and especially the Blue Jays have had a few times where they had the opportunity to sleep, uh, sweep and they couldn't get over the hump on that final game, that Sunday game or the the final game of the series. Um, and so <laughs> it was a wacky one this time. It didn't look pretty, but they got the win and that's all that matters. Um, and those are the types of wins I think that um, can boost the team a lot. Um, the Blue Jays haven't, had many of them this year where they're scoring a lot and constantly coming back. And like I said, like that really felt like their identity to some extent last year, especially later on. And so I'm really interested to see how they come up against Chicago White Sox, who they'll mm-hmm. be facing really good pitching. Um, Chicago White Sox have really good pitching, but their Chicago's offense has been scuffling even worse than the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how the Blue Jays build momentum. Um, they get an off day in Toronto, which is good. They haven't had many off days in Toronto, so they'll enjoy that. Um, but it'll be really important to sort of build on all the good habits that they had against the Angels. Um, you know, a guy like Lord is taking his walks. He really wasn't striking out. He's putting the ball, bat on the ball. Um, he looked really good. Um, obviously, Kirk looks like he's getting really hot right now. Um, I know you want to talk about Kirk, so that was my transition for you. But well done. Well done. Now, <laughs> talk, talk about a guy who had a great weekend. Uh, five hits. Nine, uh, nine at bats. He also walked and reached on an error. Uh, even had, even managed two little extra base hits. Go, <laughs> go, little Kirky. Go get your two extra base well, hits. Did um, he? Did he get? Was are we including the one where he got a bit lucky on, or is that like a single and an error where he the guy like airmailed it? I guess oh, that I counts remember. as an. If well, it was, he, a hit, it was like, as a hit, and then he went maybe went to second. He, I don't know. He just says he reached on an error. Didn't okay. strike out all weekend. Drew a walk. So like he's doing all the Kirk things and and I think that there are, there is still some pretty legitimate concern about his uh, about his power. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Jonah Berenbaum, your friend and mine, noted that since he hit his first what was it his first home run, uh, extra base hit I think. Oh, extra base hit, yeah. That he's like his slugging percentage is is downright respectable. <laughs> uh, it's not good. Like no. it, by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, he's if you, if you go back the last uh, twenty games, he's slugging five hundred. Which is very good, yeah. uh, you know. Again, he's he's a really tough at bat, and, and I kind of made a half joke um, about the idea of moving him up in the batting order and not moving him to second. I think we have all seen the Santiago Espinal. Um, the last thing you want to do with a guy like Espinal, I think, is ask him to do too much. He's the kind of guy who seems to really shine when you're asking him to do next to nothing, other than than go and catch the ball. So let's maybe I think uh, the Blue Jays' offense would benefit from having a guy like Kirk either in 
you know, as, as you've heard me talk about it, if you heard me on the radio, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, there's, and, and, and I, I use the White Sox as an example with the Blue Jays, go, you know, facing off against them. Their offenses are very similar. They're really right-handed. They got a lot of guys who can really hit. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the White Sox are, are consistently facing a lot more injury troubles, I think, than the Blue Jays do. Um, you know, Eli Jimenez only played 11 games this year. I think Luis Robert is, is hurt as well. Um, is he hurt? Was he hurt? Uh, no, he is. He was sick. I think he. Oh wait, how long ago was that? Anyway, he's he. he they have that similarity. So I love the idea of getting Kirk either an opportunity to hit at the top of the lineup where he can kind of like just keep that keep the line moving, get get on base for the guys who are you know as you mentioned swinging the bat better and better, or, or maybe even put in I don't know maybe, maybe RBI situation isn't the right way to describe a guy who's like a single sitter, but just mm-hmm. any opportunity to get a guy who just consistently turns in really really good and productive at bats. They're not it's not he's not the best hitter in baseball, but he walks, he doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play, hits the ball hard. There's value, I think, in, in having him in that mix, which is effectively what Santiago Espinal does, but but Kirk does it better. And I guess the the concern, and I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'll ask you, are you concerned about someone like Kirk hitting up in the order given his lack of foot speed? Yeah, I guess that could be an issue. Um, I mean, I like the idea of breaking up some of those um right-handed free swinging guys. I mean, Vlad's not totally free swinging, but Mm. he does swing quite a bit and he does make a lot of contact, even though he has good plate discipline as well. Um, But he's also just like Vlad. He's kind of a unicorn. He does everything well. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I like sort of the idea of having a guy like George, obviously leading off. He's one of the best leadoff hitters. And then Kirk is a really different Mm -hmm. look to Vlad and George and Bo especially. So I sort of like the idea of like, um, immediately like having a guy that's going to see a lot of pitches probably put up a good at bat. And then you kind of have Vlad after who's can pounce on, you know, a ball or can do damage. And then you have Bo after that, who also can do a lot of damage. Um, I guess like, you know, the one thing would be that it wouldn't be totally consistent because Kirk doesn't necessarily play every day. The Blue Jays are, I don't know, they don't seem like they're against using both catchers, but there was some sort of debate with the lineup on Sunday, but then it came out after the game that Danny wasn't feeling great or his, like, his hip was bothering him, so he needed a rest day or whatever. Hopefully it's not serious. I don't know. Um, we'll get an update probably later this week. But, um, you know, there was – and it it sounds like Charlie, and every time that he's talked about it, like it sounds like they're okay to use both catchers. Um, but I guess the one thing would be if you're not playing Kirk every day necessarily, then – you're using him in two, but then you're always moving up. And I do think that Blue Jays, especially at the top of the order, like to have some consistency there. It wouldn't surprise me if they just immediately go back to something like George, Vlad, Bo, Teoscar fairly soon here because they are their four best hitters. They look like they're coming on a little bit. Maybe they'll even put Bo back up at two, but I kind of like him hitting after Vlad, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Vlad in, at number two. But I, the, the Kirk thing is, is I would be, you know, I think it would be cool to experiment with it. I don't think it'll happen, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah. I mean, like, they put Espinel up there, but I don't know. Like, it seems like one, they were just trying to spark something. And I think they like Kirk in the middle of the lineup because what he does well helps in that spot, too, because you can kind of have a bridge towards the back of the lineup um, and he's kind of like that, you know, I don't know. He, he, he does a good job, um, following up with those guys at the top and putting up a good at bat. And then you hand the bat off to, you know, Matt Chapman or Lourdes Gurriel or someone like that who are heating up themselves. I think given the, the same sameness of the Blue Jays batting order and, and also just giving, given how, you know, what we've kind of come to understand that, that batting order on the macro scale doesn't really matter. I think that the fact that whether or not Springer, Springer is a great leadoff hitter because Springer is a great hitter. Yes. Right. He's got all these leadoff home runs because he's a home run hitter who hits leadoff. Like there's no magic about it, but he likes to do it. So let him do it. Vlad yes. likes to hit third. Let him hit third. Like, uh, you know, I, in a perfect world, I would hit Vlad second. I would hit Vlad, Vlad, uh, Vlad fourth. But he likes to hit third, so fuck, whatever. Okay, hit third. So then it's okay. And then if, if Bichette 
again, I think it just comes back to, in some ways it comes back to comfort. And when you do have those opportunities, when you do have that wiggle room to throw a different look at it, maybe you put, maybe you move Teoscar to, to second and put Kirk fifth. Again, just somebody who can, who can take advantage of the guys who, you know, with Springer and Vlad in particular, like the two best on base guys other than Kirk. Let somebody who can, who can move them along, can knock them in. Um, uh, you know, Springer's a good base runner. Vlad, you know, is a maniac and we all love him for it. So I think that any opportunity. So if anything, now I've just changed my mind. I've just convinced myself. You need to hit Kirk behind Vlad because <laughs> all the balls in play mean Vlad's going to do some wild shit on the bases. So mm. change my own mind. Now Kirk needs to hit fifth or, and, and behind Vlad who can, that way he can do some crazy running and stuff. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So then there are some concerns. The number one is the concern about Julian Merriweather. Um, is that is really there, number one? Is that really number one? Well, I wanted to. I didn't want to not talk about it. Jose Barrios, I guess, yeah. is the thing we should talk about. What's going on? Caitlin, what is the deal with Jose Barrios, who is just getting hit so hard and pitching really bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that he's a bad pitcher. No. Call me crazy. But man, he, he's just has, it feels like he has zero command or yeah. maybe, or zero control. Again, you saw those two balls that, that, that Shohei Otani hit. Like those were terrible pitches. Like not close to where they were supposed to be, and that's why they ended up being 430 feet away from where they started. Like, he yeah. just you know, we can look at the Statcast numbers. He's just not pitching well. I, I would be intrigued to, to to tap Eno on the shoulder and get a better understanding of like what his command plus is this year because it feels like it would be really, really bad. Yeah, and like there's been. You know, it's funny because there's been a handful of starts where even his last start, he looked good. Um, You know, he pitched well. There was a – sorry, he pitched okay against St. Louis. uh, Before that against Seattle, he was good. Obviously, he's still allowing a lot of hard hits, getting away with it sometimes, sometimes not. Um, There's – I guess there is sometimes when he looks like he's rounding into form and you think, okay, here he goes. And then he kind of the next time out or the time after that, he kind of throws in a dud, which is kind of concerning because it, you know, at some point early in the season, you could kind of like brush it off. Like, okay, obviously he was thrown off by the shortened spring. He really needed more time. Um, so now he's rounding into form. And so like, you see, he has a couple decent outings and then he, has some where he's just not getting any swing and miss, which is kind of concerning because not that he's a huge strikeout guy, um, but he needs to strike guys out. Like he's his, let me see his strikeout rate. Um, where is it? So it's 16% this year, 16.2%. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounded like 10% from last year. Last year was 26.1. The year before it was 25.1. The year before it was 23.2. 20. So he's like, you know, his average is, should be in the sort of, 
anywhere between the 23 to 26% strikeout range, which is kind of what you want from starting pitcher. It's not like elite, but it's good. Um, and he's not getting that this year. He's just not getting as much swing and miss. And when the curveball or slurve or whatever you want to call it is on, it's getting the swings and misses. But also yesterday he wasn't throwing as hard. Um, the fastball velocity was down. Um, and so overall this season, his fastball velocity has been down a little bit, but not a huge amount. But yesterday it really was, it was kind of noticeable. And then if you're not like you're kind con- if you're not locating your slurve and you're not getting swings and misses off that, and then you're not throwing as hard and then you're kind of missing with your command of your fastball, then you're really just serving it up. And that's kind of what was happening. And, um, you know, I, don't exactly know what's wrong, um, but I don't think anybody does. I mean, no, and the thing is, like, I I guess I th- I don't want to like lean on sort of an excuse like this, but I do wonder if it's a factor. Is like sometimes when guys sign the big contract, mm-hmm. it can weigh on them. It can weigh on them a little bit, and so I wonder if that's having maybe like maybe it's just subconsciously having an impact you know what i mean like obviously the blue jays obviously the blue jays put a lot of money and investment into him and he got the opening day start and and it's like not that big of a deal he was an opening day starter for the um twins but Mm -hmm. it's different when you're the opening day starter for a team that just handed you 130 more than 130 million dollars like so i just kind of wonder if that's having an impact um on him a little bit i don't think it's it's I think it's impossible for it to not. And, you know, Ricky and I have talked about this a little bit before. Um, you've even seen it with a guy like Manny Machado, right? And the thing I said then, and I'll say it again now, is like Jose Barrios through his arbitration years, you know, he, he was rich anyway, but mm-hmm. it's different. There's like, they call it life changing money for a, for a reason. You know what I mean? And like this, that's the kind of thing that'll change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll put you'll, these guys want to go out there and win. They want to, as Ricky said, they, they're not, they don't want to go there and get their brains beat in. They, you know, they, it's not about necessarily about the money, money, but like it's going to, it's going to change, change your, your perspective a little bit. It's going to make it, make it challenging. But, uh, to, to your point, uh, you know, the strikeouts are so important for someone like him who does get hit hard from time to time, mm-hmm. right? Who, a guy who does give up that, uh, harder contact. And we've seen that, you know, historically from, for him, but he, he, he has a, you know, a good strikeout rate. He doesn't walk people a lot historically. So you need to rely on those, on those strikeouts to work around those base runners. And that's something he just hasn't done this year. You know, we saw that start against Cleveland. He didn't strike anybody out. He only had the one strikeout, uh, yesterday, you know, only faced 14 batters, but he struck out one. Let me do some quick math. One out of 14 is less than 16%, which as you said was his strikeout rate for this year. Um, you know, he did, he did have a, a decent string of, of starts there through April. And then he had a couple of rough ones. You know, he's had basically two, one really good start, one decent start here in, uh, in May. And then like now three bad ones, two, like two rough ones and one like extremely not good one. So, uh, I, I, I don't know if it could be a mechanical thing. Uh, hopefully there is, there are no concerns about his, him physically, as you mentioned, the velocity kind of ticking down a little bit. Um, in some ways that that could help to not help but could suggest why um the command hasn't been there why he's he's again just missing in the zone um he's you know because even this year he's still not walking anybody no. but he's getting hit he's getting hit hard and the pitches that are are supposed to be are are, are supposed to be missing bats are not missing bats and they're also not missing barrels which is, uh, which is, like I said, concerning. So hopefully they are, you know, we, we all love to talk about how great the Pete Walkers and Matt Bush men are of the world. So hopefully they're hard at work to try to figure out, you know, what, what can be done to, uh, to, to rediscover his, uh, uh Barrios's command to help yeah. him get him back to, to where he was. Again, in a lot of ways, he's still the same guy. He's still, his chase rate is still very, is still good. Walk rate is still very good. Velocity is, is, is down a tiny bit, but like not much. It's just that those hard hits, he just needs to get back to missing, missing some more of those barrels, missing yeah, some more bats and being who he can be. And I think like there's been, like you said, there's been a few de- good, good to decent starts. So at least it's in there, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's in there. Um, and, I think that that's 
we're still at a point, I think, where we can lean more heavily on the track record as opposed to what we've seen this year. Um, obviously, if this continues late, you know, into the second half, then there's bigger question marks, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that there's been a nu- it's been a mixed bag, I would say so far. We're leaning towards more bad than good, but I think we're still like there was enough good. We were like, OK, like he's still the guy like he can still pitch really well um when he has the command um it's just about getting that consistency um for him and i mean the good thing with the blue jays is that they have most of their other pitchers are pitching really well um kevin gosman alec manoa have been excellent as we've talked about a lot kikuchi mm-hmm. had a great may sure um did. he and uh, ryu had a great may as well obviously using him kind of carefully but um you know, if, if your weak spot is Jose Barrios, um, mm. you're actually in a good spot <laughs> because he's young enough that I feel like he, there's still a lot of track record. He's young. He'll pop. I, I would lean towards he'll probably figure it out the same way that we thought the offense is going to figure it out. Um, but definitely something to monitor. Uh, I can't help but wonder mm-hmm. uh, that if we might not see um, a DL stint, uh, excuse me, uh, IL injured list stint in Brios's future just to get him away. If he has another bad start, um, that that's going to be my official prediction that the yeah. right arm shittiness uh, assessment mm-hmm. will come down. Just get him to Dunedin, get him, all, you know, get him a little bit of a break, let him figure out what, where and why is going on. Um, really get back to try to get back to basics and 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 working hard on those mechanics yeah. and especially and if it's like if it's a point where the Blue Jays have a bit of a softer schedule. I think June comes up and there's maybe a, a point where you might be like, okay, we can get by with just our four and a Ross Stripling and maybe a spot start from um, Thomas Hatch or something. He's been pitching okay in Buffalo lately, um, and some. I, I agree with you that there could be. Um, there could be a sort of phantom IL scent coming. Um, they're 15 days now, though, so you can't get away with the 10-day one anymore, but whatever. Maybe wrap it around the, the, the um, what's it called? The, uh, the all-star break. Yeah, it's still pretty far away. Like, yeah, if he has one true. more bad start, like, you might want to get that taken care of. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You need to get that, that right shoulder shitting is looked at, Jose. <laughs> Yeah. It's not... Uh, but the Blue Jays, you know, they might have some options. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, speaking of some options, Nate Pearson made his rehab start last week. Mm-hmm. Not start, I should say, just rehab outing. He pitched an inning and two-thirds, I think. Had allowed a, a hit, a run, a walk, a strikeout. First outing. He looked fine. He was hitting like 97, I think, with his fastball. Didn't get, get in the swing it. Didn't get any string on the miss on this fastball, but got like two whiffs on his slider. So that's mm. going to be something to monitor because, as we say, if Nate Pearson's going to be the savior for the bullpen, mm. he needs to be getting swing and miss. That's kind of the point. If Nate Pearson wants to have a career as a big leaguer, he's going to need to get some swing and miss. <laughs> as, as Jose Barrios can attest, when your pin straight <laughs> fastball comes humming in there, it doesn't matter how hard you throw it. Yeah, when you get to the big leagues and they're not so worried about you throwing 98, 99, they can tee off. I was just watching a bunch of Jose Brios like pitches from yesterday, and it's like I feel like it's close though. That's the thing. So maybe he doesn't need a right arm shittiness. It's like just that one of those misses. The lefties in particular seems like just a lot, a lot of like glove side misses. Instead of missing, instead of setting up away and missing away, setting up away, missing over the middle. But who knows? Uh, what else we got? You want to talk about your boy Julian Merriweather quickly? Sure, okay. sure. Uh, Charlie Montoyo, absolutely. Like just a inexplicably bad call to not to not let was it Baraki who was in to not let him face that the guy in his third big league game just puzzling puzzling stuff but uh Merriweather god love him he's not pitched well when in high leverage situations which you know interesting that they allowed him to be in a high leverage situation but uh just well it was also it was also strange because when he came in you assumed that it was because Adam Simber was not available because Adam Simber mm. has been pitching a lot. Mm-hmm. But then Julian Merriweather got himself in a bunch of trouble and then Adam Simber came in. And um, I guess this was like 
the Saturday game? Yes, this was the Saturday mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we allowed two hits, two earned runs. Oh yeah, um, that's right. That was this one. That was this one. So we, that, so Saturday was the day that he they, he brought him in in the in a tie game. No, so in a, in a, down three two. No wait, the Blue Jays are up three two. Eighth inning brings him into face Shohei Otani and Mike Trout hits mm-hmm. Otani. Yes, uh, with, a, with a bit of a phantom hit by pitch, but like again, I, I what I said on Twitter was like, okay, you think that you can use his changeup to get Otani out because right. Otani has that time to look. Because no, uh, again, we asked, we talked about his, his pitching at the plate. He's capable of looking so bad, like he has no idea. Like it's, there are times when Otani looks like it's, he's never hit before. But so okay. You can you think that maybe this his changeup combination, which you know can can get Otani out, ignoring the fact that Merriweather's splits against lefties this year are just so bad. His splits against lefties are terrible, and then he hits him, and now you're in it. Now you've got Julie Merriweather against Mike Trout, and you are absolutely cooked uh, because it's Mike Trout. It's like he's going to hit. Like you can't, you can't, you're not going to throw that change up up in the zone. So he's going to pound it. And he did uh, a really inexplicable position or a decision. And then he gave up another hit, Merriweather, and then mm-hmm. Simber comes in. So yeah. a really odd choice, but also there's probably some doubt about Julia Merriweather's like viability long-term. Um, there, there, there is probably some at play where, and this was like probably the Baraki situation um, a few nights earlier in St. Louis is, you do have to see what a guy can do at some point because if they can't get guys out in big spots, you can't have that many guys in your bullpen that you can't use, you know? And so the Blue Jays do have to figure out what they have in some of these guys and if they can finally round into form and they can't keep saying, well, Julian Merriweather has swing and miss stuff. Julian Merriweather has swing and miss stuff. If he hasn't shown swing and miss stuff for a year now, you know, like that, is an issue and um you know maybe he's getting away with it in triple a maybe he's looking good in triple a but as you say like he's not getting away with it in the major leagues when guys are not afraid of 99 um and if he's not locating and he's not you know the two pitches aren't playing off each other and he's just kind of serving it up there like it's you know it's there's there's a few guys in the bullpen that are obviously leverage arms. There's a few guys that you're always going to have a guy or two that aren't like high leverage arms. You're always going to have a Ross Stripling in there that you need a long man. Like um, there's going to be guys at the end of the bullpen. Um, And so maybe that's where Ryan Brucky and Julie Merriweather are. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a championship team, you need a lot of guys that can at least get outs. And, you know, Ryan Brucky is not throwing strikes. Um, Julian Merriweather is not getting the swing and miss. And those are two big problems. And one of those is going to be, one of those guys is, pro- well, I don't even know because there's Andrew Vasquez. Um, I'm thinking because Tim Mays is coming back soon, mm-hmm. I think. So you're going to have Tim Mays again soon. Um, maybe eventually you're going to trade for a reliever. Um, maybe eventually you're going to, someone in AAA is going to, you know, force their way onto the roster, whether it's Pearson or someone else. Um, but <laughs> Fitz Stabler, bring me Fitz. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's huge. He's so tall. No, he is huge. He is huge. I've never Um, seen him, and I was like, "That is the tallest guy I've ever seen." But you're you're right, and and I think the 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 issues with those two guys that you mentioned, um, uh, Baraki and and uh, Merriweather are 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 similar in that they both have a really hard time getting out. Like they have really right now exaggerated uh, platoon splits. They are not able, you know. Baraki can't get righties out as, as consistently as he needs to. And, and, and what's his name? Merriweather has got like two strikeouts, maybe one strikeout against a lefty all year. You know, his numbers against righties are good and, and Baraki's numbers against lefties are good, but it's and with not the three pitcher rule. Like it's harder to have exactly. those guys. Exactly. Like, especially if, and this is what happened with St. Louis is like, if you need Baraki to get the one out, and if he doesn't get that one out on the lefty, he's completely done so, which is what happened with Wainwright. Like, that's, you know, A, you're, you're, I mean, you're somewhat handcuffed as a manager because um, sometimes you have to go to those guys in those spots and just hope they get the out. And if they don't, like, you're really just, like, throwing your hands up in the air and praying. Um, but if you're Brucky, like, then you, you're consistently almost in spots where you are, you like, you need to success, need to have success or 
you're in a really bad spot. And that's just like not a good spot for a manager to be. It's not a good spot for a pitcher to be. It's not a good spot for a team to be. Um, And so like, that's why a guy like Mesa is so good is that he's effective mm-hmm. against, he's a left-handed um, reliever, obviously, but he's really good against righties. He's really good against lefties. Um, He just gets guys out. And um, the Blue Jays don't have um, another guy like that, which is why his absence has been so huge. And it's unfortunate that, a guy like Rocky couldn't take advantage of this opportunity because I, it was there for him. And the Blue Jays would have been very happy if they had a second lefty that could they could use consistently. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's it right now. And and the, the, the hard thing with Rocky is that he's out of options. So you don't really have... Mm. Um, you don't have the option of sending him down and hoping he figures it out. I mean, maybe he gets through waivers, but then he's off your 40, man. So... Um, that makes it really tough for him. And he's a guy that he's a left-handed pitcher that throws 95, 96 miles an hour. Like someone else is going to think that they can fix yeah, what he's exactly. got. Um, also, our guy Fitz Dather has not pitched yet this year. He is injured. I don't yeah. think that I knew that. Breaks my heart. He was the only guy I wanted to write about in the baseball, uh, in the BP comments, but he didn't. We got to wrap it up. We've talked a lot already about the, the weekend that was and what it means going forward. I think you and I have got some good solutions. They just call us. We got solutions for the batting order. We got solutions for the bullpen. We're out here making decisions. We're out here changing lives. Uh, speaking of changing lives, look out this week on top of another episode of Spin Rate, top of this episode of Spin Rate, on top of everything that Caitlin covers and writes for the Blue Jays as they return home to face the Chicago White Sox. Uh, our friend, your friend and mine, Blake Murphy, has a new uh, Blue Jays radio show on the on Fan 590 here in Toronto. And it's starting this week. And you are going to be on it. Yeah. And I'm going to be on it. I'm on Wednesday. Caitlin's on Friday. Dial it up. However you get your terrestrial radio. And uh, support your guy, Blake. And uh, I'm happy to do it. And I'm sure that you are as well. To uh, to hop on to the, the friendly airwaves and uh, and talk Blue Jays. So, we love talking Blue Jays on this show. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a rating and a review if you have the opportunity and the time and the inclination. Read Caitlin on The Athletic. Listen to us this week uh, with Blake on Blue Jays Talk Plus. Her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We'll talk to you next time on Spinner. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.